Yeah! Woo! Heck yeah, baby! Rivers gives to Scrolls, angling left, has got room, it. 15, 10, 5, jackpot! He got it! Yes. He got it! He got it! The play should have been ruled a fumble. Ha 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 ha! Touchdown, Antonio Gates! 112 career touchdown catches. That's the most by an NFL tight end all time. I would have hoped that if people would have figured it out. I just like to play football. This is Score More with Garrett Sister. Let's go! We are back. The Score More podcast. Garrett Sister back with you. Don't forget to follow us at Score More Pod on Twitter. No, you missed me last week. I missed you too. I was out of town. I also had some technical difficulties, so compound both those, and I could not get a podcast out last week. Listen, it was a bye week for me too, okay? And I know I didn't get to break down the Seahawks, which would have been a good one to break down. And, of course, I didn't get my prediction in. Now, I did get my prediction in on the Lightning Round podcast, and I did do it on Twitter but does it really count if I don't announce it here on mic on this podcast? I say no. You want to know why? Because I don't want to taint my record. I'm still undefeated. So, we'll keep rolling with the undefeated record. I was out in Nashville, Tennessee, which I loved, mostly for the music. Except, Tennessee, hey Nashville, honestly, you like country music, we get it. Like, I couldn't go anywhere without hearing country. And I understand. That's where it grows, man. I understand that. I get it. I went down the main strip, went to Tootsie's, Bluebird Cafe. I get it, man. I did all that stuff. I understand it. But come on. We get it. You like country music. You can't go anywhere. You can't even walk on the street. There's a speaker on the street playing country music. I mean, I was there for four days. I don't know how anybody in Nashville survives all that country music. At some point, it was like torture, and I like country, at least some forms of country. I don't like this pop country wave we've got going on right now, but I'm a fan of country, but dude, come on already. When I landed, I went to go grab some coffee because I was exhausted and had some stuff to do that night, and I, I, I went into this little diner, and well, first of all, I checked into my hotel, and I go to the concierge, and I was like, hey, man... Uh, where's the nearest diner? Because I, I didn't want to look it up on my phone. It was dead because I was on the plane and I used all my phone battery. And I was just like, hey, man, uh, where's the nearest cafe? Where can I get a cup of coffee? And the guy ends every sentence in or. So it was like, hey, you. I was like, hey, man, where's the nearest diner? He's like, oh, you can go to Richie's Diner. or. And I'm like hanging on to his word going, or what? So I'm like hanging there for a couple seconds, and I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, All right, Richie's cool. Uh, That walking distance, or should I grab an Uber? And he's like, well, it's about a mile or a mile or what? A mile or a half? A mile and a half? Where are you going with or? Everything was or. And I'm just going to assume everybody in Tennessee talks that way because, hey, let's make a generalization. It's funnier that way. Uh, and, and so when I got to the to the diner, uh, I sat down. I was like, hey, I just want to yeah, – I want a small coffee. And she goes, oh, we actually don't have small here. We have medium, 
large and extra large. And I said, uh, no, you don't. Because you can't have a medium without a small and a large. That's what medium is. The middle point between a small and a large. You can't have a medium, large, extra large. No, you have a small, medium, and large. Come on. Is that a novelty thing? Oh, we're not going to include small because we're Tennessee. And I'm not making fun of people from Tennessee because I loved everybody there. They were so sweet when I was over there. I've been there before. I love that town, but come on. A medium without a small? So have fun out there. I enjoyed it. Went to Third Man Records, which is a great record store. And anybody that knows me knows I love records. Jack White's record store. It was awesome. Went out there. And anyway, I was gone. So I'm telling you a little bit about my trip. A couple funny things that happened. And it was kind of charming, to be honest. It wasn't annoying. Like, come on. a me- You have a medium, large, and extra large. Not a small, medium, and large. Like, it wasn't annoying. And the guy wasn't like, you can, it's about a mile or, and I wasn't like, dude, end your sentences. End it with a period. Don't leave every end of your sentence hanging like that. No, it wasn't annoying. It was kind of charming. I enjoyed it. So this isn't me bitching. It was just a uh, funny stories. So uh, for this podcast, it's probably going to be the shortest one yet. And I think we'll do a different format this week only because this is the first time the Chargers are playing a team for the second time which would be the Raiders, which they haven't played the Broncos once, which is interesting. They're going to play the Raiders twice before they even play Denver. But anyway, they'll have them the following week. But So I think what we'll do is we will recap what happened in Week 5, their matchup against Oakland, and we'll kind of talk about what's happened since then because a lot's happened, especially for the Raiders. Now before we do, let's get into this injury report. For the Raiders practice report, On Wednesday, it seems like their entire offensive line were all limited on Wednesday. John Feliciano with the rib injury. Center Rodney Hudson with an ankle injury. Left tackle Colton Miller had both a knee and elbow injury he's been dealing with. Kalechi Osimile was limited with a knee injury. Their corner, Daryl Worley, limited with a shoulder. Their returner and wide receiver, Dwayne Harris, was limited with a shoulder injury. And their new starting running back, Doug Martin, limited with a hip injury. The right guard, Gabe Jackson, and safety, Carl Joseph, were both a full go on Wednesday. For the Chargers, it is a very short list. On Wednesday, Joey Bosa, again, did not practice. Darius Phylon didn't practice either. Now, he went down, was even carted off on Sunday, but then returned later in that game. So we'll see if he's ready to go against the Raiders. And the edge rusher, Chris Landrum, was limited with a hip injury. All right, so like I mentioned, a little bit different format this week. Let's talk about what happened during the first matchup when the Chargers beat the Raiders in Week 5 in L.A. This time they'll have them in Oakland. But a lot has happened since then. There has been a lot more turnover for the Oakland Raiders. We talked about on the last Raiders preview podcast how they lost Khalil Mack. Since then, they cut their next best pass rusher, Bruce Irvin. He just got signed to the Atlanta Falcons. Then during the trade deadline, they traded their best wide receiver, Amari Cooper, to the Dallas Cowboys. They placed their starting right tackle, Donald Penn, on injured reserve. They also put their running back, their starting running back, Marshawn Lynch, on injured reserve. They waived their kicker, Matt McCrane, who the Chargers saw on Week 5, actually missed a kick during that game. And 
They ended up cutting their former second-round pick from a year ago, Obi Malafonwu, the defensive back. He's with the Patriots now. So let's go over what happened last time. It was a home game for the Chargers, like I mentioned. It was in L.A. They won 26-10. to The Raiders' offense had nothing going that day. The Chargers sold hard to stop the run, and they did it to near perfection. Marshawn Lynch had 31 yards on nine carries on the ground, and Lynch was their leading rusher that day. Now, the Raiders did fall behind pretty early, so they had to throw the ball a lot, but still, they had to stop the run. They had to bring down Marshawn Lynch, which isn't an easy task, and they did so. Finished with 31 yards. Gus Bradley... Elected to have Casey Hayward shadow Amari Cooper for most of that game, who was at the time their best wide receiver, and Hayward allowed one catch for 10 yards against Amari Cooper. They also bracketed Jared Cook. He was another key receiving weapon, and he only caught four balls for 20 yards on six targets. So they did a nice job limiting Jared Cook, who was very hot coming into that week in Week 5. Derek Carr had 268 yards through the air with a touchdown and an interception. If you remember, the pick came from Melvin Ingram when he dropped back in coverage as the middle linebacker intercepted it in the end zone. And the Chargers actually had two turnovers that day. They caused a fumble on Martavis Bryant. It was recovered by Jaleel Adai, I believe. Now, about that lone touchdown pass by Derek Carr, rewatching that game, it was kind of... In a time where the Chargers were just relenting yards to eat up clock. The Chargers were up 26-3 at that point. They basically just played zone. They let the Raiders eat up the clock. They just let them have short chunk yardage plays. So even the touchdown pass comes with a stipulation. But nonetheless, they scored that day. It was a one-yard pass to Jordy Nelson. Where the Chargers struggled on defense, if you want to call it that, or at least had a little bit of trouble, was all the checkdowns that Derek Carr threw to Jalen Richard, the running back. Richard had six catches for 53 yards. In fact, last Thursday, Richard was the team's leading receiver against the 49ers as well. So he's a receiving weapon out of the backfield. Now, this is somewhat of a concern this weekend, only because the Chargers have a reoccurring issue. They've given up some yards through the air to running backs the last few weeks in Seattle last week. Mike Davis had seven receptions for 45 yards. They ended up giving up a total of 10 catches for 58 yards last week. And then when you go back to week seven in London, they gave up six catches for 64 yards to the running back Deion Lewis. And right before that against the Browns, Duke Johnson had 73 yards receiving. So the three weeks since the Chargers faced the Raiders, they're averaging 60-plus yards through the air to running backs. The Raiders don't have many strengths. But this is definitely a matchup the defense will have to watch on Sunday. The other successful part of the Raiders' offense last time around was their speedy wide receiver, Martavis Bryant. Now, like I mentioned earlier, Jared Cook was bracketed. Amari Cooper was being shadowed by Casey Hayward, both being taken away by this defense. So Derek Carr looked Martavis Bryant's way. He only had three catches that day, but he was their leading wide receiver with 91 yards. They let Bryant get behind him a few times. He had a obviously three catches 91 yards a lot of chunk plays so obviously a guy you need to limit but Brian only played 12 snaps that day so he obviously made the most of his snaps in week five but with Amari Cooper gone Martavis Bryant's role has taken a small jump you've seen a little bit of an uptick in his snaps but not a lot because on one side they've got Jordy Nelson and now 
The Raiders are running out the newly signed 32-year-old wide receiver Brandon LaFell as their other starting outside receiver. LaFell has become the new wide receiver one for Oakland. He collected a touchdown in his first week as a Raider, but through two games he hasn't topped 40 yards so far that he started as the wide receiver one. Basically signed off the street. You know Gruden has an infatuation for these NFL veterans. The offensive line for the Raiders, which has been a strength not only last season, but in previous seasons too, has seen a real drop-off this year, except for their center, Rodney Hudson. He has been exceptional. Colecchio Simile has really shown a dive-down in play this year. Colton Miller, left tackle, has struggled. They're running out instead of Donald Penn. It's now the third-round pick the North Carolina A&T tackle Brandon Parker, who has been up and down this year, but a struggle across that line. In Week 5, the Chargers had three sacks and six-and-a-half tackles for a loss. While re-watching that game and looking in the trenches, they seem to have won that matchup up front, and that was surprising. Not something I expected, but the Chargers took it to them in their first matchup. It's going to be something to watch this time around. Interior pressure... It's going to be tough with Rodney Hudson just because he's been so good. So we might not see the jump and play we've seen from Corey Legion and Brandon Meebane this week, but maybe we will see. Now, in terms of the Chargers offense and the Raiders defense, the Chargers offensive line did a pretty good job outside of a breakdown of communication that left Bruce Irvin with a free shot at Rivers. Again, Irvin is no longer with Oakland, and the pass rushers are now Arden Key and their new veteran signing of Coney Ely this week. So the defense, to be honest, doesn't have anything to really get excited about. And I'm sorry if this is a boring podcast because this team isn't fun to watch, and they're not very good. In fact, this might not even be a very long podcast because there isn't a ton to talk about because there isn't a lot of talent on this team. But for me on defense, the Raiders have two or three players I like. Obviously, the rookie Maurice Hurst, He's been playing outstanding football in the interior. Loved what I've seen from him so far. Jonathan Hankins, the other Raiders defensive tackle, had a slow start. But he's kind of ramped it back up, and he's still becoming that tough-nosed run defender. So the interior of that defensive line is pretty good. Not great, but they're pretty good. At least has some potential with Maurice Hurst. The P.J. Hall pick, though, that everybody was crazy about because he looked so good in preseason, has not worked out. P.J. Hall hasn't looked great. Now, the third guy that I've been impressed with is the former Panthers corner, Daryl Worley. Now, the Chargers didn't see Worley in Week 5. He signed with the Raiders in the offseason, but he had a service suspension, so he's only started the last three games. But in those games, he's recorded 19 tackles, four pass defense, and an interception, which he got against the Seahawks. Even though it's a small sample size, three games isn't a lot, but Daryl Worley sits atop the league right now in disrupted dropbacks, which is the percentage of passing downs with a sack, interception, pass deflection, or defense. So Daryl Worley making the most of his playing time so far. So in Week 5, Phillip Rivers threw for 339 yards. He had two touchdowns, one to tight end Virgil Green, the other to Austin Eckler that he just took off and broke for 40-plus yards. Keenan Allen ate up the middle of the field because the Raiders linebackers are a very poor unit. Though one guy that I think has outplayed his draft stock is the linebacker Markel Lee. He's the fifth-round pick. He's probably the best linebacker of that group right now, if you ask me. I've been impressed with him so far. 
but obviously not part of my two or three players that I liked on that defense. But uh, Markel Lee's got some talent for sure. Keenan Allen led the Chargers in receiving. He had 90 yards that day. Tyrell Williams and Melvin Gordon each had 60 yards receiving. And the Chargers basically just dominated on all phases. Now, Caleb Sturgis, of course, missed a field goal. He missed an extra point. And that was the real low light of that game, but it never really played a factor, so it didn't really matter. Now, their kicker, McCrane, also missed a kick. But Sturgis, of course, missed one more than McCrane did. Both of them unemployed at the moment. And the Chargers now have Michael Badgley, so that's the minor turnover on the Chargers side. Talked about the turnover with the Raiders. There's a small turnover. Michael Badgley will be kicking this week. Their returner, Dwayne Harris, is a good kick returner, but he only returned one punt for two yards in Week 5. He had two kickoff returns for 22 yards each, so the return teams did their jobs in Week 5. Now, the big question is, how is Michael Badgley going to do on kickoffs? Because that was the major knock on him. He was putting a lot of the balls at the goal line or inside the five, didn't get a lot of touchbacks. There were a lot of returns, and Dwayne Harris is a dangerous returner. So special teams is something we're going to have to watch on Sunday. I know everybody's going to be watching Badgley, not only because of the field goals, hoping that the Chargers are finally ridded of this kicker curse that they've had for the last few seasons, but kickoffs will be another thing. We're going to have to watch closely because if he's not getting it in the end zone and there's going to be a lot more returns, there is an outside chance, which Lynn hinted at this week, that they have three kickers. Badgley for field goals, Donnie Jones for punts, and another kicker for kickoffs. And that'll be something if they feel the three kickers. Not a fan of that, but whatever you got to do, I guess. Now, the Raiders team was bad when the Chargers played them in Week 5, and they have got significantly worse. The strategy to stop Marshawn Lynch in Week 5 is gone. Doug Martin is their new starting running back, and he is washed Shadowing Amari Cooper isn't in the conversation anymore because he was traded away, their best wide receiver. So the Chargers are going to have to stick to Martavis Bryant and, of course, limit the pass catching out of the backfield from Jalen Richard. Bracketing Jared Cook, who's still on team, miraculously, will be a key on Sunday, obviously, because he's probably their best receiving weapon at this point. They're going to have to limit Derek Carr from running, keep him inside the pocket like they did in Week 5. He got nowhere to run in Week 5. Offensively, the Chargers will have whatever they want, really, to be honest with you. The interior of the Raiders' defense is their strength, but they aren't all that great at stopping the run. The Raiders are the third-worst run defense on first down in the NFL. There are some talented players, Maurice Hurst and Jonathan Hankins in the middle, but this team just can't put it together. Now, for the positives for the Raiders, they had some extra rest because they played on Thursday against the 49ers. You can count that as an advantage. The game is in Oakland, so they have home field advantage. But those are both arbitrary, so everything else on the field should go the Chargers' way. The Raiders might not win another game this year. When you watch that game on Thursday against 49ers, which was nationally televised, they got embarrassed on national television, and I'm sure most of you watched it because you had a dog in that fight because obviously the Raiders are in the AFC West. It was not pretty. The Raiders looked terrible. They might finish the season with only one win. And John Gruden has completely fractured that locker room. But when you look back to the beginning of the year, the thing you could say about the Raiders is that they always competed. Now, right up until they played the Chargers in Week 5, 
The Raiders were in almost every game they played. So John Gruden had them playing hard. They lost, and they lost a lot, but they competed. But that was before, and everything has changed. After playing the Chargers, the Raiders have lost by 24, 14, and 31. They lost to the Colts, who aren't a very good team at all. And they lost to a Nick Mullins-led 49ers team on Thursday. But the Chargers can't overlook them on Sunday. They just can't. And even if they do, I just don't know where the Raiders can beat the Chargers at this point. They came off an absolute embarrassing loss on Thursday night. Maybe they light a fire. They got extra rest. It's at home. They feed off the crowd. But where's that offense coming from? Jared Cook, maybe? Defensively, who's stopping anybody? The middle of defense is bad. Up front, they're okay. They have no pass rush. The corners are struggling. Daryl Worley has played good, but Gary Conley has been in and out of the lineup. They have no safety play. So this is a tough one. I mean, it's not tough to predict the winner because they got the Chargers winning 31-10. And like I mentioned earlier, I'm undefeated on my predictions on this very podcast. So that's good news. But man, this was a tough watch. This team is bad. This team is really bad. And the Chargers riding this hot wave should be able to coast. And even on their bad day, they probably still come out with a win. They're just too talented to lose right now. So I think the Chargers win this game. I don't think they sleep on the Raiders. I think we've all grown accustomed to them giving up one of these games, kind of coughing up a loss to a team they should beat for the last few years. But with the way they're playing now, it's hard to see that happening. So I got the Chargers winning 31-10 over the Raiders, undefeated on my predictions. And, hey, that's going to do it for this podcast. Not a ton to talk about. I'm sure I'll have a lot more information next week because it will be a new opponent. But, man, this Raider team is bad. And I know you're enjoying every minute of it because, listen, I am too. So, I am Garrett Sisti. Make sure to follow the podcast at ScoreMorePod. Let's just hope Chargers score more on Sunday. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation. And I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that for some reason or another, seems smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain. Or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission. Or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.